the interest rate rise has impacted everybody equally. Uh, it, it's, it's punishing clients all the way across the board. So there are still deals happening in the West and the South and, and the, the coasts. However, not nearly as much as there were recently. Welcome to Deals and Developments, a real estate podcast from the Dykema Law Firm. I'm your co-host, Mike Rothstein, partner at Dykema and a member of the firm's real estate practice group. Hi, everybody. This is Mike Kurtzen. I'm a member of the real estate group and uh, concentrate my practice on real estate lending on the lender side. Andrew. Uh, for more episodes, you can find us at dykemapodcast.com, youtube.com, slash dykemalaw, or by searching Deals and Developments wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the state of the real estate lending environment, and we're joined by Dave Patchen, Senior Vice President at Fifth Third Bank. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Nice to see you guys this morning. So what are you seeing generally? Is it a great time to be in the real estate market, or the lending market? It is not a great time to be in the real estate lending market. I think um, overall, our clients are finding it very challenging uh, to get both either new financing and or refinancing of existing deals due to the rising interest rate environment. Dave, do, do you see any regionality coming into play here where certain parts of the country are having better deal flow or is it uh, generally that the underwriting on deals across the board has become much more challenging? Yeah, I, you know, traditionally the coasts and the south invariably since COVID uh, and for that matter, since the Great Recession have always gotten more deal flow than the Midwest and, and possibly the Northeast. However, uh, I, the uh, interest rate rise has impacted everybody equally. Uh, it, it's, it's punishing clients all the way across the board. So they are still, there are still deals happening in the West and the South and, and the the coasts, uh, however, not nearly as much as there were recently. But this sounds markedly different than the last major uh, recession in the industry from 2008, 2009, because it seems to be much more driven just generally by the state of the economy and particularly inflation and interest rates. Are those, is that the main factor that's going into this? Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, we, we still haven't seen a bubble like we did in the Great Recession, right? You know, there were there was a bubble in, obviously, home uh, and for sale housing. And there was also, to a certain extent, a bubble in retail development. That doesn't happen here. I think, in fact, industrial and uh, home or multifamily assets are still strong. They're still doing well. It's just they're not penciling um, because your interest rate uh, cover, you know, is, is higher and in turn your debt service coverage and your return uh, is lower. So less deals from that aspect. So the economy seems strong. That's not the issue, right? Or is that a problem too? It, it, it is and it isn't. So you know, from a consumer level, I think things are still happening. Uh, uh, reading the journal this morning, you know, it, it's still strong. People are still haven't slowed down their buying. But from a commercial aspect, I think you're seeing some weakness just because the interest rates environments are 
the interest rate environment is affecting people's returns and also causing them to rethink whether a deal will work or not due to the debt service requirement they've got to pay. We've seen that uh, certain segments of the market are particularly being hard hit. Office uh, first, maybe foremost, but uh, also retail shopping centers. Uh, with consumer demand seemingly up, uh, is the problem with shopping centers more that people have moved away from brick and mortar, uh, actually going to shop and are doing more online shopping? Or, or what do you see sort of as the dynamics of the softness in the retail market. Yeah, I think, Mike, that's a just a continuation of what happened in the Great Recession, right? We've been on a long, slow decline of retail over the last 13 years. Uh, it was clearly overbuilt uh, going into the Great Recession, and it, it's actually two different spheres. So you're seeing the well-located trophy and or um, uh, high-end retail still doing very well and in fact doing probably better than it did during COVID. Um, but the West, less well-located assets and or retail concepts are dying. And, and you're seeing conversion of those assets to other types of uses. Uh, and I think that's going to continue these days. Well, it's interesting that in the Chicago area, one of the old but elite uh, outdoor centers, Old Orchard in Skokie, seems to be doing very well lately. They've got increased leasing. They're building a multifamily building next door and uh, good restaurant uh, space and so forth. So I guess it depends pretty much on where you are, your tenant mix, and uh, Outdoor seems to be doing better than indoor at this point. That's right. And it, that is a perfect example of a flagship asset where, and they're also changing the uh, tenant mix to accommodate what is popular these days. So that is a perfect example of what is doing well versus what is not. And industrial and warehouse distribution logistics, that's still strong at this point? Still strong, uh, slowed down uh, a little bit from uh, pre and post COVID, but those assets are still being developed, still doing well and still leasing relatively quickly. Any concern that there's a bubble there? I mean, people were chasing those deals for a long time and really the prices were skyrocketing. But I think a lot of that, Mike, was driven by the Amazon effect, right? Amazon was leasing up assets right and left, that, that has slowed down a little bit. So there is less concentration or less focus on, I'm gonna build my building for Amazon, but there is still a huge demand for logistics because that's, we've had a transformational shift, right? Going back to our earlier comment on retail. So it's more of a mix between brick and mortar and then also the online clicks. and. The online clicks are still a very large part of what's going on in the retail space today. And those companies need logistic uh, industrial uh, distribution space. So that that's still going to keep happening down the road. Dave, from a regulatory standpoint, uh, are the banks getting or are they concerned as uh, billions of dollars of real estate are going to start maturing? Um, the loans are going to start maturing shortly. 
uh, on what they're going to do in terms of either rolling those over or reclassifying them and kind of whether there will be a strategy going forward to deal with the amount of loans that are going to be coming off the books. Mm -hmm. I think um, at this point, we don't know. Uh, it clearly, as you outlined it, Mike, that is exactly what is going to happen. With the, with the higher interest rates, we're running into covenant defaults, and we're going to have to have a lot of conversations with our clients on how we treat those. And that also has impacted the long-term market. So most banks are short-term lenders. We're going to have to find a way to... Uh, reconfigure and or restructure existing deals because clients are going to want to extend uh, versus pay us off. So a lot of slowdown in roll these days, which is good, um, but it will be challenging from the ex uh, aspect of right sizing and what that structure looks like on a going forward basis. Are you requiring borrowers to have more deposits with you? Are you looking for more equity or capital into the bank? Yes, uh, absolutely. Every new deal and every renewal has a deposit requirement. We're, we at Fifth Third are not the only ones doing it. I think it's happening all the way across the board. It clearly depends on the type of deal, but if you wanted to put a general number around it, we're looking for probably about 20% of the uh, loan amount as a quote-unquote compensating balance requirement. And uh, as far as covenant violations, uh, what we've seen representing uh, banks is that the, the, the quick fix seems to be right now uh, covenant waivers coupled with possibly some additional equity coming into the deal and then maybe a short-term six-month, maybe a one-year extension. Uh, part of the issue that we're seeing is that uh, some of the banks are requiring uh, interest rate hedges or swaps to be put into place now and they're given where interest rates are they're very very expensive has that been an issue as far as uh, the deals that you've seen recently you know we're doing that also requiring interest rate hedges honestly that is helpful to the client and to us and the way they inverted yield curve is working today, it, it does actually uh, improve the debt service coverage because you've got a longer term, lower rate, right? So uh, where it works, even though to your point, it's expensive in the long run, it will depend on you know how long the tenor is, but it, it, at the end of the day, it could help the client and certainly helps us with respect to hedging that interest rate risk for any potential future interest rate rises. Have you seen at this point in the cycle a significant amount of what we would look at as true workouts as opposed to quick quick fixes? Fortunately, no. Um, do I see that coming? Potentially. Uh, and, and I will speak only to Fifth Third. We haven't seen it. However, I think uh, my knowledge of the overall industry, I think those banks with a concentration and office product uh, are probably seeing a fair amount of workout situations at this point. We, ha we also have not seen uh, a lot of foreclosures or deeds in lieu of foreclosure, but it's, it seems as if everyone's sort of holding their breath. Uh, 
what's your sense of overall where we stand on that? Uh, are we still a year away from those things starting to percolate? Maybe not a year, Mike. Uh, you know, might be shorter than that. There will be some. I mean, the advantage of going into this cycle versus the Great Recession is a lot of institutions uh, conservatively underwrote deals, right? So we, we weren't over leveraged. We made sure we had the appropriate debt yield or debt service coverage. And we did it with sponsors that we knew were well, well capitalized and experienced, mm -hmm. right? So we're fortunately reaping the benefits of that, that they can hang on to these assets a little longer and not just hand the keys back. But eventually, they run into, especially with respect to the office sector, you know, if you're only 40% leased, there's only so long you can continue to feed the meter, right? You, sooner or later, you're going to have to have a moment where you say, is this worth it to me to protect my equity or should I just hand the keys back and cut my losses? Are you seeing, uh, uh, any significant amount of alternative financing to provide equity or even to refinance or public money coming into deals. We've heard that uh, some of the uh, vacant office buildings in Chicago might get repurposed as residential, particularly in the central loop, which would require a large infusion of TIF funds or other public funds. What, what's your read on that? Yeah, in, in prior, I would tell you debt funds were an alternative source, but their cost of capital is up like everybody else's today, and borrowers don't necessarily want to pay that. Are they still there? Yes. But as an alternative financing source, probably even less available today. Uh, with respect to public money, yes, with specifically with those office buildings and the reconfiguration and the multifamily, it's being considered, but it has not yet been approved, right? The, the amount of equity required to convert an office building to multifamily is massive. And the TIF dollars associated and or needed to make the numbers work on that type of reconfiguration is very large. Uh, so politically, that in and of itself creates issues with the municipality of do we want to approve a TIF that large, even though we know that this is probably the only avenue to keep our downtown alive. So that's that's still to be seen. It's not happening yet. It's being talked about, but we'll see what actually happens and, and comes to fruition. So Dave, you mentioned how hard it is to get a deal actually done once you comes across your desk. I'm wondering uh, how many fewer deals are coming across your desk at this point? Just because from what I'm saying, it's so hard to get a deal paper. Buyers and sellers are so far apart on what they think a property's worth. They're both crazy in what they're asking for. And if you can get a paper, it's very hard to find the equity, right? I mean, I think the institutional uh, equity players are on the sidelines waiting for distressed properties. Individuals are making 5.5% online savings account, right? So you have to weigh that against going into a new deal. So what do you think you're seeing deals across your desk are like down 10%, 50%? Just curious. Oh, yeah. I mean, fortunately, we're still in the game, but I would tell you new deals are down at least 50%. You know, a lot of 
to your point, buyers and sellers have not yet met in the middle and figured out where things are going to go. So everybody's kind of sitting on the sidelines. Deal, new deals don't pencil. So that in turn creates delay. So I think we're all in a waiting game at the end of the day. I think it will break uh, when people get a clearer picture on where rates are going to go and come to the realization that higher rates are the new normal. We, we can't expect to go back to 2% base rate and a 4% all-in rate. Uh, I think we all have to look and, and see how deals work at 6%. And once that happens, the deal will start blowing. I've heard they'll probably never go back to the 2%, even if there's a recession. Is that, you think that's probably accurate? I think that's probably accurate. I mean, for those of us that have been in the game a long time, we're, we're far away from the 10% rate that I did a deal on in 1998. But, uh, you know, the the 2% rate was artificially low for a long time, and I don't think we're going to see that again for quite some time. And do you think that... Uh there will also be continuing pressure to keep the loan-to-value ratios low on, uh, on future deals? Yeah, I, I think so. From an institutional basis, I think that's clearly what the banks want. And honestly, the institutional investor wants that as well, right? They're trying to hedge their downside risk. And the more equity that they put in uh, prevents uh, future problems. Let me ask uh, about uh, a dirty word, uh, guarantees. Uh, in terms of getting deals done, are the banks trying to move off of non-recourse or is that just simply uh, not doable even in this kind of environment? If somebody wants to get a deal done, they're still going to expect non-recourse financing? Yeah, you, you're still dealing with a little bit of when the markets were going well. Uh, a lot of borrowers were able to get non-recourse financing because going to our earlier comment, it was fairly low leverage deals with a high coverage ratio or a high debt yield. Banks like Fifth Third always required recourse, so that hasn't changed for us. But in this environment, banks are going back to requiring recourse on most, if not all deals. So borrowers, if they want a new deal or want to refinance, unfortunately, may have to capitulate and provide some type of recourse. It doesn't have to be full. It doesn't even have to be 50%, but they need to put a piece on the table in order to get the institution interested in, in doing that deal. And what about securitization? Uh, have you uh, seen anything happening in the, in the field of securitized loans? Are those markets still active or are they also in the same position? I, I know that securitized deals are still happening, but at a trickle of what they were before. Uh, and I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't have a great handle on the CMBS mm -hmm. market, but I know it's still out there, but it's, it's not strong at this point. So it looks like at this point, kind of hunker down, you know, pick your spots, but uh, everybody is playing a waiting game and uh, things are so uncertain in terms of the general economy that uh, nobody really can make a prediction. That's right.
That's right. And I think that is going to continue in the next year and what everybody feels is going to be the case. All right. Well, I guess that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. And thanks, Dave, for joining. Always appreciate your insights. As always, you can find us at dykemapodcast.com, youtube.com slash dykemalaw, or by searching Deals and Developments wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mike Rothstein. This is Mike Kurtzen. And Dave Patchett. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Deals and Developments.